0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 279th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. My name is SBJ, and I'm here today. Okay, so I'm recording this at like 11 o'clock at night. I just got back from vacation. People are staying in my house, so that's why my voice is a bit quieter, and I'm probably not sounding as energetic as I usually sound. A really weird show for you guys today, so just bear with me here. I'm going to run through what's going to happen. I've been on vacation for like the last week. So has Will. We both went to Gen Con. Will is still on vacation. He's still on Gen Con. He's still at Gen Con right now. So that's why he's not here. I recorded an interview with Reversal, who is a very big Pokemon Go YouTuber. So I recorded that last week before I went on vacation. I cut and edited. That's ready to go. That's 45 minutes of me talking with Reversal about Pokemon Go, the state of Pokemon, uh, his thoughts on Pokemon Go Fest. So that will be pretty much after this little intro. And of course, because I went on vacation, a bunch of Pokemon news dropped. Pokemon Worlds was happening. I wanted to go to Worlds, but I already had everything booked for Gen Con. And Gen Con, for me, is a personal vacation that I take every year that I don't really do anything Pokemon-related at. All that news that dropped, because there's a bunch of news that dropped, Will and I will talk about that all next week. I know there's a lot. I know you guys probably want to hear it, but because... Will's still on vacation, and I wanted to make sure that you guys got an episode this Monday. I'm just going to run down the news real quick. I know you guys already know what it is, but in case you miss something, I'm just going to run down that real quick. Again, we'll talk about it all next week. There's been a ton of emails about uh, thanking Travis and Travis's time on the show. We are going to get to all of those next week. I I don't know how long next week's episode is, but we have a lot to cover, so just keep that in mind. This episode is still really good, though. The interview with Reversal is fantastic. He is such a fantastic dude, so I can't wait for you guys to hear the interview. Let me just run down the news real quick that happened and fill you guys in in case you were not up to date or you weren't following the world information. And I actually might miss something myself here. Again, I only really went over it just recently because I've been driving all day, but there will be packaged versions of Pokemon Go and Silver coming containing a download code for the eShop, available in Europe on September 22nd. Pretty cool if you just want a box. Again, still downloadable though, so you're going to need internet for that. There was a new Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon trailer shown. Pretty good timing with Worlds and everything. I suspected that it would have been shown at Worlds or slightly after Worlds, especially we weren't going to get anything with the Pokemon Go stuff that has been happening. So that happened. They showed an updated map for alola and there is like what seems to be like a wormhole that's opened up on it i haven't spent enough time looking at it and reading people's theories but a new map kind of like how black and white 2 had a slight change seems to be a new z ring coming out for stores it's a black z ring with new z powers uh that Tomy tommy will be releasing as you know uh, Ultra Ultrasun Ultra Moon coming out November 17th. They showed the official box art for that. Pokemon Gold and Silver will also have physical releases in Japan. Going back to the Ultrasun and Ultra Moon trailer, the main characters, the protagonists protagonists have new clothes. So I guess that's exciting. Hopefully there will be pants. What one can one can hope. TCG-wise, this is pretty big news for the TCG, and I actually, at Gen Con, I, I, I said that Gen Con's not a Pokemon-related thing for me, but I did enter a booster draft at Gen Con with the TCG. I played with Will, I played with Irene, I played with Micah, played with a bunch of other friends. Uh, so we we do plan on talking about that next week. I know sometimes we, we go weeks without talking about the TCG, but this is a big thing here. I also announced at Worlds that the... Ultra Beast are coming to the TCG games. They showed off Buzzwall and Guzzlord as TCG cards. Going back to the Z ring that I was talking about, there will be new Z moves in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. One of them was shown off for Coma OO. Uh, gets an exclusive Z move called Clangorous Soul Blaze, which if you watch the trailer, it one-shots both a Salamence and a Garchomp at the same time. It can hit both Pokemon. Does like this little song. Seems to be really powerful. Seems to be a really good counter to these pseudo legendaries that seem to uh, be dominant in the VGC format. Probably over by now, but during Worlds in Anaheim, there was Kangaskhan appearing and more Toros appearing. The Toros makes sense for all the. International travelers and competitors that were coming to make sure that they got our region-specific Pokemon, which is Tauros in the U.S., Kangaskhan, which is an Australian exclusive, appearing in Anaheim because of the Pokemon World Championships. On top of that, Unknown, the rarest Pokemon in Pokemon Go right now, appearing in Anaheim as well. What's really cool about Unknown, and we've talked about this before, but when Unknown appears at these events, which this is the third event, first was Chica- the Pokemon Go Fest in Chicago, then it was the, the Safari Zone stuff in Europe, and then the Yokohama stuff in Japan at Pikachu Outbreak. Here in Anaheim, the Unknown spelled Worlds, so possible to get a W-O-R-L-D and S Unknown to fill out that Pokedex for you if you're, you know... Set on trying to collect all 26 unknown, and when Gen 3 comes out, all 28. Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon are also going to feature what's called Alola Photo Club. I haven't read too much about that, but that's something we'll be talking about next week. For eShop-wise, if you have a Nintendo Switch, there will be a demo for Pokin Tournament DX. So if you haven't played it, you own a Switch. Switch seems to be doing way better than the Wii U. That is something coming they showed some artwork for the Komonium Z, which is the Z crystal for Komo O. And finally, and I apologize, I'm probably missing some news. Finally, uh, the 2018 World Championships will be held in Nashville, Tennessee next year, 2018. So that might be easier for people to travel to, and it might be cheaper. Hopefully, they can accommodate. Or they're planning for more people to come, since it does seem to be, from what I have gathered on social media, a place that people are very excited to go to, just because of cost and because of getting there alone. California, that whole area, is one very expensive to travel to, and two, kind of hard to get to by car, especially if you're coming from like New York or Boston or Atlanta or, or even the most of the Midwest where Nashville is more centralized between that. So that is the bit of news I have and that's it. Yeah, so hopefully next week will be a really really exciting show. Like I said, Will will join me, we'll cover all this more in depth and tackle your guys's emails because there's been a lot of great emails this week. If you have your own email questions, comments, concerns about the show, you can email me at sbj@pkmncast.com. At Otherwise, we're going to switch over to the interview with Reversal. Uh, again, we talk about Pokemon Go. We talk about his history with Pokemon. We talk about clickbait because that's a hot topic on YouTube. But I'll let you guys hear it. Yeah, there might be a little bit of outro at the end of the show. I'm not sure yet. Again, it's late. I'm trying to get this all cut and edited for you guys. But enjoy. Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Man, Shop, Man, Champ, Man, Champ, Vapor Man, Vapor Man, Vapor Man. Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Scootaloo, Scootaloo. Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Dude, Dude, Judo, Judo. Man, Maperman, man who's your favorite Pokemon, who's your favorite Pokemon, Whomper, 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 Whomper. Alright guys, we are back and I am here with Reversal, Pokemon hello. Go YouTuber.
1: Yeah, hello. Thank you for inviting you, me. I'm great. Uh, how are you?
0: I'm good, I'm good. Like all our interviews on It's Super Effective, we'll start off with some Pokemon. We'll probably actually... Talk a little bit about your YouTube career, since that is, that is your big thing, and then we'll end with Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Just a little agenda here, but let's kind of talk about how we met. It was at Pokemon Go Fest.
1: Yeah, in Chicago, actually, yeah. It was really nice. It was uh, kind of unexpected. Uh, saw this guy with this equipment, like audio camera source, I mean uh, audio equipment. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Then I uh, found out you got a podcast and everything. I was uh, kind of intrigued.
0: I don't want to talk about YouTube right off the bat, but, you know, I've always been told that the YouTube community is is very close-knit, they're very tight together, they have each other's backs, and I I think that was very apparent at Pokemon Go Fest. I walk into, like, the media tent, and all you guys knew each other, and by I mean all you guys, I mean, you know, Trainer Tips and Twintendo and you and a bunch of other people that I apologize that I I didn't know who they were, and then uh, (laughs) Mystic6... (laughs) mystic six (laughs) but you guys seem to be like this this pretty tight community of you know youtubers
1: yeah um partially because um it took niantic such a long time to reach out to any of us and because of that we kind of like we're like you know we gotta probably like stick together seeing as some of the initial content creators because everybody was you know almost creating, like, let's say all the mainstream YouTubers, uh, everybody went in on Pokemon Go because it was such a big thing, it's it's normal, it gets some views, but then they start to drop off one at a time, and eventually there's this tight group of dedicated content creators which are sticking with Pokemon Go, and eventually you get to the point where you want to go out and travel, and you start to talk to each other to get insights into certain scenarios and it's like, hey, do you know anything about this or do you know anything about that? And eventually you become friends. So that's where uh, most of us, uh, not everybody, but most of us, already knew each other before Pokemon Go Fest. Got it. Let's back up a little bit.
0: For Mm -hmm. my listeners that may not know who you are or what you do, uh, I said you're a YouTuber, I said Pokemon Go, but what exactly do you do on a day-to-day basis?
1: So I keep myself busy with Pokemon Go. Uh, as you know, I I just primarily I I only right now do Pokemon Go content on my YouTube channel, and I really like to uh, bring Pokemon Go from a, from an experience as if the the viewer the the player the the one interested in Pokemon Go actually were to be there. So uh, I I I try to get some cool shots in from time to time, but mostly I like to keep it real and I like to uh, to share my perspective as a passionate player uh to my audience so that's what i'm doing so I'm, I'm an overly enthusiastic pokemon go player with essentially a youtube channel that that's the gist of it really
0: <laughs> for pokemon you know being as big as it, as it is now with pokemon go where did your love of pokemon stem from it's you know i i know because i've been following you for a while but mm-hmm. where where did that develop
1: elementary school, essentially. I'm I'm 28 now, so I I grew up on Pokemon. I was in sixth grade, where I was 10 years old when Pokemon Pokemon got released, and it it exploded. It came a little bit later in Europe, because I'm from the Netherlands. It came a little bit later to the Netherlands than it came in the US, so I think a year or two later or so, it got introduced in my country, and the moment it, it hit Fox Kids at the time... It just was an instant hit, and everybody was talking about it, and then Trading Cars soon followed up, and they had the Game Boy game, and literally everything became Pokemon. It was like the the biggest race. There's nothing... Like, you know, fidget spinners are a thing now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, imagine that explosion of interest, but then multiplied by five, six, even ten times, and then you have Pokemon. So, everybody knew Pokemon, everybody... Lift Pokemon. Essentially, as a little kid, everybody was interested. So yeah, if you weren't into Pokemon, you essentially would be out. So yeah, that's that's where we all grew up on Pokemon.
0: It's funny you bring up fidget spinners because that's that's like the big hot fad right now. But I felt like mm-hmm. people thought that of Pokemon at the time. Oh like, yeah, this is a fad and it'll burn out. And it 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 definitely like decreased in popularity. Mm. But I don't think it ever burnt out.
1: I think right now, in fact. Whenever Pokemon Go got released, it reached an all time high. Because you had. Because obviously it's been 20 years since. And um, the all time. uh, uh, I feel the all time interest in Pokemon has achieved its peak with Pokemon Go's release. Because you have older generations, people that aren't interested in Pokemon Go, and the newer generation, which are right now all uh, a part of this thing called Pokemon, which you all have a, a common interest in. And then, of course, you got the the, the Game Boys and, and the DS versions and the 3DS versions now. So, yeah, it's it's really, really big.
0: So, growing up, you mentioned the games and the card games. Did you ever, like, fall out of Pokemon? Or was that something that you stuck through through the 20... It's a long time, 20 years. But did you stick <laughs> through it the 20 years?
1: The interest has always been sort of there in the back of my mind. But, yeah, I did fall out of it. Um, I, around Sapphire and uh, Ruby, Emerald, uh, that was... I played those uh, until my cartridge actually broke, because my, uh, my uh, uh, Game Boy Advance didn't really manage well, I guess, through all of the usage. Sure. Uh, but after that, I, I kind of grew up, I guess, a little bit, and I fell out of Pokemon. And then I tried the black and white a little bit, but that didn't really resonate with me. It was a little bit like strange, like all of these chandeliers and like ice creams with like faces <laughs> on there, so that was really weird. But uh, yeah, and then with pokemon go it just came all back i guess
0: okay so it was it was really pokemon go that brought you back in fully yeah
1: i I guess so yeah yeah Hmm.
0: now your your youtube career a little bit a little bit interesting compared to maybe others but you were like super into clash of clans and clash royale if i'm not mistaken
1: yeah i I was yeah (laughs)
0: Are, are you still playing those games, or is it now 100% Pokemon Go?
1: Since Pokemon Go got released, I haven't touched the game since. It's, it's been having a weird effect on me. Uh, but yeah, I, I used to play cover those games, and used to play those games, and I would even visit the, the developers at their headquarters in, in Finland, Helsinki, and it was all great, but it's just like... Uh, I feel that Pokemon Go kind of filled up the gap of emptiness. It's really strange to explain, but... Doing content on YouTube for a specific game, uh, like Clash Royale or Boom Beach Clash of Clans, you just sit in in your house all day trying to figure out, like, hey, what is the next video that I am gonna try to produce? Because I wasn't, uh, I'm not, like, a a super-established YouTuber at the time. I was just reached 100,000 subscriber mark, which is a lot of people, but you haven't made it yet, Uh, so to speak, if you reach that point. So you still have to innovate and come up with interesting content. You still got to work so hard in order to make sure you stay relevant to a certain degree. And then when Pokemon Go got released, it was like all of these videos, they could just come out and I would have so much fun doing them. And I and I still very much hold the same feeling towards that. So it's such a nice thing to go outside and shoot a video instead of being inside and (laughs) cringe your brain about what to do next.
0: I have it up right here. It looks like July 6, 2016 was your first Pokemon Go video, a uh, mm-hmm. half a million views. Yeah. And I'm not seeing I'm not seeing any anything but Pokemon Go after that. <laughs> yeah. I I just think that's interesting because it it and and I would love for you to explain it. You Had a following of these Clash Royale players and these Clash of Clans players, and they probably, you know, woke up on July, is it July, July 6th, June 6th? Mm
1: hmm. Yeah, July
0: 6th. July 6th, and all of a sudden, you know, they're not seeing the game associated with your face anymore. They're seeing a new game.
1: It's weird. Yeah, thinking about it now, putting it this way, Steve, it's, it's, (laughs) it's really weird. (laughs) Not gonna lie, it's, it's really weird. Uh yeah it, that's that's the that's the gist of it. Yeah, that's the story yeah it was gone <laughs> so did you did
0: you lose though did you lose that audience did you have a, I, I, I can't I think, imagine you start yeah. you started from zero again but you know if they're not in, if they're not into Pokemon they're not into Pokemon
1: okay so um it has a strange effect on my channel my channel um if you if you were to make um a change like that now on your channel if there's not a hype you will clearly notice it. But because there were so many new people coming into the channel and, and checking out the videos, I barely noticed me losing that initial audience. But it, I think it's fair to say that less than 10% of that original viewer base is actually still watching my videos at this point.
0: Wow. But that was... The, that. Okay, I'm, I'm backing up again. Lots of backing up in this episode.
1: <laughs> it's fine. It's fine.
0: <laughs> you, we, we, all, we all knew Pokemon Go was coming so when when we got the initial I think we knew I don't know six, eight months prior to it dropping that okay, here it's gonna come this summer, it's gonna be this big thing when you first heard that announcement, did you think I wanna get on that Pokemon go bandwagon, or was no, it something that like w- kind of right before you decided
1: not at all it it kind of caught me by surprise, so i i was i i did say I did see the trailer drop on the day of itself because it was trending on YouTube. And everybody was sending it to me. I was like, whoa, this is insane. But I, I honestly had no idea how it was going to work in a little, in some way, shape or form. It kind of seemed to be good, too good to be true. And essentially it was like, there's no denying that. Like the trailer was absolutely stunning, but the actual experience was a little bit different, but it just stuck, stuck with me for a while. And then I, I just kind of forgot about it. And then I got a message from one of my friends on Facebook and he said, Hey, Geo, uh, this Pokemon Go thing, it, it dropped here in Australia. I was like, Oh, what? Are, are you serious? I was just interested, uh, to see what it was going to be like. I, I never knew it was going to be such a big thing though. Like I, I knew it was interesting. I, I just didn't know how big it was going to be.
0: I always kind of kick myself because, you know, I've been doing this, this Pokemon podcast for seven years. And so. I I do everything Pokemon, whether that's the card game, the anime, the video game, you know, Magikarp jump, whatever whatever Pokemon throws at me, I'll try to cover mm-hmm. it. And so when Go came out, I was like, great, I'm gonna do, you know, I'm gonna do this mini series just focusing on Go. You know, that went as well as I could connect to the servers because of all those issues at the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, and I saw, an, I definitely saw an uptick in listeners when when Go came out. There's no mm-hmm. no denying that, but I. Had no expectations that it would hit the height that it did, and I don't think anyone would have been able to predict that.
1: Yeah, because I think at least from your standing point, I would imagine that you you think it would be like as if a new Pokemon game got released, right? Right. Yeah. So I definitely understand that. Yeah.
0: So it's like, oh, I could I could have did more, but and and you know, it's whatever, right? You know, I I, I mm-hmm. continue talking about Pokemon, I still love it. There's that regret of, oh, I I could have did more, but For you, you did the first video, and Mm -hmm. it took off, and then, you know, you started doing more. You know what the funny part
1: is? Yeah, go ahead. that, that, That first video is actually a live stream. It's not even a video. The first seven or eight videos were just live streams, and there was one video in between which was like a recap of what I had done, because I was just so busy playing the game. The only thing that I was thinking, like, okay, you know what, I should probably stream this because... I'm just having too much fun playing the game. I had no intention of going indoors to my home, especially because it was summer. It was, it was really hot at the time. I had no intention of going back to my computer and edit everything. So I was like, let's just, you know, do a stream and let's make that the video. So th- as, as lazy as it was, that was the content really.
0: <laughs> you do, you're doing the Pokemon stuff. That, that's getting traction. Mm hmm. Uh I guess I'm curious at this point in in your YouTube career were you doing YouTube full time or was it the Pokemon Go stuff that pushed it over the edge for you?
1: Um I was at the phase where my channel was um growing it wasn't a growing phase so I I could already do YouTube full time which I did uh but Pokemon pushed it over the edge to do it uh full time without stressing uh, about like having to retain my audience or anything like that. That kind of came naturally. So, uh, yeah, it was already doing it full time, but it was, became a little bit more comfortable to do so.
0: What made you decide to do YouTube as a career?
1: Um, I don't know exactly when that um when that decision was made. Um, I always saw YouTube as a as a part time kind of thing. Um, I still remember I was looking for for a job in in a managing function because my previous work uh, before YouTube then my YouTube kinda started building and as I was like looking for a a different job uh, I I just did this YouTube thing on the side because I noticed like hey this one month I'm gonna earn 16 bucks and uh, the next month it will be 26 so uh, it would be kinda nice to have a little bit extra financially uh, but it wasn't about the money at all It was just like oh hey this videos that I was making already uh, I can get like a little bit of money from that. So that, that, that idea, it, it struck something with me because it was like, Hey, my work is meaningful in some way, shape or form. So from that perspective, I started sort of building and I started, you know, creating content while I was still looking for a job. Uh, but then I realized I enjoyed doing this video creation process. I enjoyed it so much that I was like, Hey, maybe this is something that I can pursue like full-time on a part-time basis so it would still it would actually be a thing that i'll dedicate time to which would earn me money so it's essentially like a job uh but still do something on the side and after a while i just was like i honestly don't feel like looking for anything because it was a really tough time at that moment um 2014 to to find a job for me because there was a lot of things happening in in like looking for jobs and stuff it was pretty hard to find something so I just started putting more focus and emphasis on YouTube, and yeah, with enough dedication and our hours put into it and staying consistent, it actually kind of like, you know, got to a place where I, I'm earning a full-time income, I guess.
0: No, no, that all makes make sense. I want to bring up something a little controversial here. Clickbait. Mm-hmm. I've heard that your videos, you know, are, are more clickbaity than other Pokemon Go people, but... You and other YouTubers are so involved in the YouTube scene. It's, it's, it's your life. It's your job. How do you feel when, you know, people say that or, you know, you come across that and you see nothing but thumbnails with arrows and, <laughs> and big X's and stuff? Like, yeah. Is that just what you have to do to survive or where, where are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes. You have to do that to survive. And it's kind of sad that YouTube has become that way. Um, I do also believe, I'm always real with this. Yes, I do clickbait. I think everybody that has uh, some sort of, you know, uh, audience clickbaits to a certain degree. However, I feel that mainstream clickbait is, is misunderstood. Usually whenever, uh, a video has like errors and stuff, people essentially are like clickbait, but essentially it's just like you, you only get s- so many moments on a viewer for them to get interested enough in your video. So you need to come up with something that triggers the person to click on your video, hence the bait. But there's a, 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 a thin line of understanding between what is clickbait and what is misleading. And I don't think clickbait is bad. I mean, I I notice it myself if, if I see uh, an advert or something like that, or something that I'm personally interested in, and then someone makes a list of like the top 10 Pokemon, that you never knew what special ability they have and you won't believe what number four is. <laughs> and I'm automatically, <laughs> automatically like kind of interested to see, Hey, what is that all about? And if the information is disappointed, it is disappointing in their part, then they automatically will have a negative idea towards that. And that's where the whole like, perspective, uh, becomes so mainstream because more people become aware of what a clickbait actually is. But I think it's still very gray what good clickbait is—the one that drags you in and leaves you with a feeling of satisfaction—and the one that makes you click on it, and then you're like, "Hey, this is not even related to what the video is all about." So, yeah, I see what you're
0: saying. Do you, yeah, do you not- Do you notice though, like a difference between video A and video B? If video B is is very clickbaity, and you know, title and thumbnail, and video A is. Possibly the same, if not better, content, but maybe, you know, doesn't have huge words or all caps, or... Is there really a huge distinctive difference between the amount of views you get?
1: Yeah, there really is. There really is. The thing is, a lot of people are are not in this whole YouTube scene. Like, a lot of people are just watching it because they have a question... Like what I used to do, I, I used to watch like walkthroughs. Like if I were were to be playing games, I would uh I would be getting stuck on a particular part of a game, and I'd be like, oh, how do I get there? S- uh, so nowadays, in 2017, the way it is is like people understand that content creators and, and YouTubers and such, and they will play in on that question. So. If you're like, "Hey, how do I beat this gym leader in uh, in, in Pokemon X and Y?" You got like a million of different types of results, but the one that is speaking the most out there, like the one with the most arrows and just something that points it out and really grabs your attention, that can be a clickbaity video. So yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting how that has changed from the way it used to be.
0: I mean, I think that that's a question a lot of people ask. I appreciate you answering mm-hmm. it.
1: No, it's fine. It's, I understand that people ask that question because I'd be the exact same, but it's just like, yeah, we all do clickbait. If someone tells me that they're not clickbaiting, that, that's honestly just a lie because we all as content creators try to get so many people in because it, it supports us in, in some way, shape or form. But it, it all comes down to the integrity of the YouTuber. It's very important to understand whether someone is doing it just for the views or someone really wants to get their content out there There's you got like so many channels out there which do just only care for the money but have no integrity behind their youtube channel because they only just want to get rich quickly i guess yeah yeah
0: totally going back to we you know we brought this up at the beginning of the the conversation but you know me meeting you at pokemon go fest that day was such a blur in retrospect because of everything that was happening uh mm-hmm. but what was what was your overall thoughts on pokemon go fest
1: i uh, asked that from a uh, player perspective or a youtuber
0: i mean i i guess both you know i i originally went i had this game plan of hey i'm gonna get into the park early i'm gonna shoot some content and i, I normally don't shoot video of stuff i'm I'm primarily an audio only guy but my friend lent me a, a camera so i saw, shot some video of the park early i was gonna you know meet with all the other media people try to get a couple of interviews and then i was actually going to spend you know most of the day just playing the game and then you know shoot some more video at the end of the day especially when the six o'clock quote-unquote legendary event was supposed to happen and then you know mm-hmm. com- continue playing for the night so my day plan my plan was you know get some video get some content that's going to take you know two three hours of my day but then enjoy the rest of the day as a player and obviously that didn't that didn't turn out that yeah, way yeah but uh y- you know your thoughts
1: so as a player I'm, I'm actually gonna just divide it into uh some ways to you know make it more relatable as i do it on my channel i guess so as a player it was a complete disaster i'm not gonna lie about that it was a, an absolute disaster there's so many things that went wrong um it was kind of concerning for me early on whenever i got mail uh, i got a notification on my phone uh i tried to open up my gmail and that took me two minutes. I was like, there's something wrong here. Then I went to the media lounge and we had like separate Wi-Fi there and I tried connecting there. And that kinda sorta worked, I guess, because it was like a dedicated Wi-Fi setting. Uh at that time I immediately knew, oh, this is an issue that is uh beyond my antic, I feel, because I cannot even connect to because there's so many people using uh the service itself. Uh then I was thinking like, hey, what what can potentially cause that? And the one thing that came to mind for me as a consumer, was like, hey, I, I imagine it being New Year's Eve, and it's about to hit 12 o'clock, and you're texting off your friends and making phone calls to wish everybody Happy New Year, and you cannot do it because the server is is really slow, and, and so on and so forth. And then it struck me like, hey, everybody is trying to play this mobile game at the exact same time. There is no way that this is ever going to be okay. So whenever whenever Niantic uh, spoke to us about, hey, we're trying to fix this, I was like, you guys are probably never going to be able to fix that today. Because it's just like, it's a disaster. The Sprint came in, got their hotspots, made it definitely more bearable for Sprint users, which was great. But everybody else was having some issues. Um, I was personally on T-Mobile, and that was all right. It was decent. I could open up the app. And my uh, Pokemon Go Plus device would notify me of a Pokemon being there and I could actually catch it, but I couldn't visually see, uh, the Pokemon itself. Mm-hmm. And then later that day, what Niantic did, which was very awesome, is that they, the, you know, the little animation on the Lure modules with the little, uh, pink leaves. Yeah. The, there? Like the sparkles. Yeah, exactly. They removed that because, you know, it, it, uh, it, it kind of put a strain on people's phones because the, the, The animation itself, apparently, in some way, shape, or form, kind of affects the way you're playing. And if it's very laggish, then you have a bad experience. So they removed that, and more people, as a result, were able to play. But it didn't go well at all. The event, it was uh, a complete mess. Um, uh, The compensation, I feel, uh, was communicated in a poor way. Um, I I think they... They could have brought, like, the news earlier, have a backup plan just in case something would be going wrong. I feel that the idea with the the radius of the event, the distance where Pokemon would be popping up and the special actor would be there, there uh, was communicated a little bit clumsy. So, as a player, I didn't really enjoy Pokemon Go Fest a whole lot, but that's a... Content creator on YouTube, it was the best day ever because it got to meet so many people. So there's two stories there. So I, I, definitely understand that a lot of players were upset, even to the point where some people would be leaving the park. I think at the end of the day, though, um, Niantic came up with a better event. Uh, like after the, the, the Pokemon Go Fest itself was, was bad, right? Yep. But the event after Go Fest, like the two days after Pokemon Go Fest were the best days was better than Pokemon Go Fest itself, I feel, because you had the legendaries, the 100% catch rate, and the event itself with the uh, double experience, extra starters, the uh, act distance, which was uh, cut in, in uh, 33%. So it was, it was terrific, but it came a little bit too late. I think a lot of people will remember Pokemon Go Fest for their failures and not how awesome it became after the actual event.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think I maybe caught, you know, four or five Pokemon during the actual hours that Pokemon <laughs> Go Fest was scheduled, but afterwards, oh, I caught hundreds of Pokemon, uh, yeah. Heracross, a known. Uh, I, I Exactly. I actually drove down that day. I, I live about an hour and a half away, and I had so much fun after 7 p.m., and since they extended the event, I came back down on Sunday. I was like, I don't care how much parking is, I want more Pokemon Go.
1: Yeah, and how did you feel about, like, every, I think you saw that maybe as well, or maybe it this is something completely new that I'm going to tell you, but literally every single Lugia raid had 500 people standing there trying, like, I'm not talking about the ones near the park, but every single one of them. Oh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So Yeah, it was yeah, really great. I, I will never forget that. It's It's even crazier than when Pokemon Go got started, I feel.
0: Yes, yeah. I wanted to run something by you. Uh, I haven't talked about this on the podcast, but I I feel like this is a great, great place to talk about it, just because uh, you know you were at Pokemon Go Fest. So I have a friend. Again, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this is this is a 100% source. I'm not saying that this is right. I'm just you know throwing it out there, and and would love to hear your thoughts. But I have a friend who works at a corporate AT and T store, and Mm -hmm. not at Pokemon Go Fest. I shouldn't say store. He works at corporate AT and T. Right. So I, you know, I told them about the day. I told them that AT and T Wi Fi worked fine. I was able to connect to it at the media event. I'm on AT and T. Uh, my girlfriend's on Sprint. Hers was off and on all day, and we know that Sprint had a cow out there. Cow being cellular on wheels. They had one.
1: Oh, I see. Uh,
0: but AT and T, Verizon, they refused to bring cows out. But Sprint had one, and then there were. Pretty much, no one could connect. Now, on top of no one could connecting, no one could really even make phone calls. I tried calling somebody on Sprint, on AT and T, on U.S. Cellular. Uh, I could barely get through. And if the call did connect, it was a lot of like, "Hello, hello, hello." Like we could hear each other saying "hello."
1: <laughs> that brings me back to the nineties, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my my friend at AT and T said, you know, Lollapalooza, lots of big events take place at Grant Park. -hmm. And so AT&T is aware of the foot traffic that Grant Park brings in. And because, and he said that because calls couldn't even be made, that there, that, that led to something more that people aren't talking about. Because apparently data, the data network and the phone call network are completely different networks that don't interact Mm -hmm. with each other. So even if your data is completely busted, you should be able to still make a phone call. Uh, he is, he is confident. And again, you know, who's to say? He is confident Mm -hmm. that Niantic tried to put out something against the cellular network in terms to prevent spoofers. And because they did that, that is what actually caused the network to fail and could never recover.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. That is a big one. And I um, thought
0: that was really interesting, especially since yeah. when I went down on Sunday night, that that whole park was still a dead zone. There were no there was no one there and I still couldn't get service.
1: Yeah, I noticed I noticed something like that. I, I was um the day after I was incredibly sick. Uh I was sti- sick in my hotel until six o'clock uh, in the evening where I finally decided I need to get out, get some fresh air because I've been in bed all day and eventually you start to feel uncomfortable and you kinda need to Get out. So the weather was kinda nice and uh just figure I need to go outside. And then close to the park there were a couple of legendary raids and I attempted to do them, but I, I just couldn't get in. Uh I, I could get in, but I would get network error or I would disconnect and I would restart the app and it took forever. And then at other parts uh I could play normally, so
0: It was almost it's, like it's, just like a block or two away, it worked
1: perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it exactly. And and I thought that was strange, but now that you're saying that it could, might have well been that case. For sure. Which, which is really weird when you think about it because they already extended the reach of the event. So I don't understand why that would still be there uh, at the park itself.
0: And, and I thought the QR code was a good solution. Get there, scan the QR code. Okay, now you can play. Mm -hmm. And there were, there were leaks of some QR codes, and obviously that would, that would draw spoofers to the event. But the, Mm -hmm. the, the mindset of Neantic putting out something to prevent spoofers does make sense. And, but again, it doesn't make sense if they were, if they were locking the content behind a QR code. But I mean, I, I could see them doing it. I'm not saying that's that that's 100% what happened, but it is... When you look at mm-hmm. Sunday night, 24 hours after the event, and that area was still a dead zone, that just doesn't make sense for from a network perspective.
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't. And I honestly feel that Niantic should have had better contact. I, I don't know what happens beyond the scenes. I've just been invited as a special guest with the other YouTubers and people from media to attend the event, but I, in no way, shape, or form know what's happening uh, at the logistics part of Niantic or uh, any of the contacts that they're having so I'm also just speculating in, in that aspect but I feel based of what I've heard that Niantic should have had better contact with AT&T uh, that things went well with Sprint but seeing that only Sprint came out with their cow and got that connection up a little bit better tells me something that you know uh, could uh things could have been better just on the uh, community, uh, the, uh, communication aspect towards uh, the other uh, network providers, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's shift gears a little bit to an event that seems to be pretty successful, uh, the Pokemon Go Safari event that's happening in Europe right now. Uh, and
1: It's weird. It's a weird <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> Tell me about that. What it, What is that like? Because I feel like everyone here in, in America, even if they didn't go to Pokemon Go Fest, they knew 100% of what happened, what it was like, what they missed, what they didn't miss. And I feel like I'm kind of in the dark with the with the Europe event. Like, what is actually going on there?
1: Okay, um, it is, um... So, it, it's good that you're speaking to me about that because I've I've been to the Safari Zone myself and I live in Europe. It is cancelled or postponed. What, what you're seeing right now, Safari Zone in Europe, is not the actual Safari Zone, but it's kind of like a suedo safari zone is not the real safari zone but it has like traits of it uh right now in europe you have the capability in select cities um we need to back up for a little bit uh before i get to that Uh so niantic has a partnership with a bunch of malls and the mall company is called unibail Rodamco, and they have malls all across europe ma- mostly in uh, big cities like copenhagen paris berlin Amsterdam, Stockholm, Oslo, like they got all of these big cities covered with a mall. And uh, the mall itself is actually kind of like a four star ish mall. It's like a little bit more extravagant, like a little bit more luxurious. You little have some fancy. expensive stores, a little fancy, as the, the word I was looking for. <laughs> uh, so they got these, um, and, and because everybody knows these malls are pretty expensive. Uh, I feel they, they have this partnership and they have this partnership already with Ingress, which is the predecessor of Pokemon Go to deploy Pokestops at these locations. And the density, uh, ha- of these Pokestops, um, uh, is quite insane. Yeah. I'm talking about over 20 Pokestops within one mall of which you can reach five, six, seven, or sometimes even eight while standing in one location. Wow. Whereas, That's the craziness we're talking about here. Yeah. So obviously, them knowing that, players knowing that, they come flocking to these locations. And myself included. I've been to Denmark, I've been to Stockholm, I've been to Amsterdam, and I've been to Germany very recently. And I will be going back there a couple of times because the place is honestly too good to play at. (laughs) But the way they got it set up right now, now that this is all advertised and these malls are there and everybody knows that these malls are there... The Safari Zone itself, the event, was going to be happening on the 5th and the 12th of August, and there was going to be another event at the 16th of September. The 5th of August and the 12th of August have been postponed until a later date, which is right now unknown. So what they've done, alternatively, is they have deployed Genghis Khan and Unknowns uh, at these locations, and now they have extended the radius by 25 miles or 40 kilometers it is not the real safari zone yet. <laughs> All these, just these extra special spawns, which are already so cool because Genghis Khan, obviously, is the Australian, mm-hmm. uh, the Oceania region exclusive. And that's now available in Europe. And we already know how tough it is to catch an unknown in the wild because it's the rarest Pokemon. So, uh, those Pokemon are there very commonly. And the actual Safari Zone is going to look something like Pokemon Go Fest and uh, that event that's currently happening in Japan, uh, Pokemon Play Park, mm-hmm. where there's going to be special raids, there's going to be team launches, there's going to be an increased spawn of particular Pokemon, but we don't know anything else but that that's going to be happening, so we have to see about that.
0: So in, in Chicago, the unknown spelled Chicago, and, and you, you said that the unknown spelled Europe there, but you also said, I believe on Twitter, that you're seeing other letters. Is that true still?
1: Yeah, so that's, that's actually true. I was there at the mall. I haven't seen it myself, but I've seen it on people's accounts that they called uh, different types of unknowns other than the ones in Europe. So my understanding or my theory behind this is that they also upped the the spawns of other letters of unknowns.
0: So I, are you in the position where you're just missing all the letters now at this point?
1: Yeah, pretty
0: much. <laughs> I'm missing Iglybuff. So to That's the last Pokemon I need. Well, besides oh. besides the rest of the unknown oh. letters, but oh, just Yeah, I'm, miss,
1: I'm missing. Uh, I'm, I'm missing one Pokemon, uh, and then you probably see it. I miss a Girafarig. You're missing Girafarig. Yeah. Oh
0: man. If, you, it's, it's, it's if you're harsh. in Milwaukee, I will I would spot you exactly where Girafarig just pop up everywhere.
1: Yeah, but that's not the fun part, is it? <laughs> that's not the fun thing. That's not fun. that's not the Pokemon Go way of playing. That's what I personally feel. For me, either I need to get it out of an egg, which is a five kilometer egg, or I need to coincidentally just run into it. Like I see it on my nearby, and I'm like, oh, that's where I'm going. Uh, but I don't want to specifically go to a location just because they happen to be there. It's it's the final Pokemon in my decks. Yeah. Um. And and course, lies still need, of course, as the region exclusive. Sure, sure, yeah.
0: So that's interesting that you don't seek out Pokemon. I I, fe- I felt like that I was that way for a while, but with Pokemon Go Fest leading up, I I started using maps like Silk Road or you know Gym Hunter, all these resources out there, you know, to pinpoint mm-hmm. certain things. You have a pretty Hard stance on spoofers, and and I completely agree with you. But where where are you coming from with that? With people that you know are in Europe trying to get into America mm-hmm. to get Toros, or you know people yeah. in Australia trying to get far. Like where where's your stance on that?
1: There are better games, like the actual Pokemon games, to play if you're gonna play Pokemon Go to spoof. Because if if you think about it, Pokemon Go isn't a whole lot of fun if you're gonna spoof. There's a better gym system in the actual Pokemon games. Uh, you can PvP in Pokemon games. You can catch every single Pokemon in Pokemon games. I don't see what's so fun. Like the, the whole idea behind Pokemon Go, and that is, of course, to interpret for, it's for everybody. It's for everybody else. It's different, of course. But what I feel based off what com- my community tells me is that Pokemon Go is seen as a game that you play on the go when you go outside and actually play it. But if you are at home and you're gonna go, you you type in your coordinates and you snipe to that location and then you get that Pokemon, there is no feeling of satisfaction from doing something like that. So it's it's, it's also it you also if you are going to spoof, there's two other things that are also to be considered or three. Uh, the first thing is that other players that are playing the game legitimately get annoyed by the fact. That some of these players do show off on Twitter and they're like, Hey, I caught this Pokemon. Yeah, what is the point? You didn't go out and get it. And then they're also slowing down Niantic's, uh, resources because where Niantic could use these manpower, you could use this manpower to put that in development or making the game better. What spoofers are doing is making sure that Niantic has to focus some of that energy and time into taking making sure that spoofers get taken down. So it has like a very negative effect to it. And I feel that is a waste because Niantic can Pokemon Go is not perfect. There's so many things still that can be improved in the game. And until Pokemon Go is a game which is still pretty much a project in development, I feel that spoofers is just like making sure that this this goes like down really slow, especially like in the beginning with the server issues and stuff. So that's why my stance on spoofing is so harsh because I feel there's no excuse for spoofing. And that stance got even harsher after meeting people in wheelchairs, disabled people, people are, that are sick, people have, that have certain diseases that still enjoy the game, uh, playing, uh, Pokemon Go by going outside. So it's, it's like, of course, nobody, not everybody's going to agree with that stance of mine, but, that's what I feel Pokemon Go is all about. And that's, you know, you, you, just making it not fun for yourself, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I, I With pretty much every Pokemon in my Pokedex, I remember catching, like, my first... I remember doing my first raid, which I think was, like, a Bayleaf raid. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, catching Lugia for the first time. I remember finding a wild Queen for the first time at, like, 2 a.m. when I was at, like, a Denny's. Like, I remember <laughs> so many captures in Pokemon Go that mm-hmm. sometimes the main game doesn't make me feel that which is a, a little disheartening but you know if my friends in Hawaii and says oh I see a corsola give me your login to me it's like what's the point like I don't get to experience that joy of finally seeing corsola for the first time
1: yes exactly
0: and I'm I'm and just for the record I've never given any my one my login I'm definitely against spoofing <laughs> Yeah, it's a, exactly what you said. It's just that experience of going out and doing it. Um, and I think there's a lot of value to that, and you know, maybe not everyone sees that value. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to keep too much more of your time, but I, I do want to end with with one one more question here. So, with as big as Pokemon Go is, and obviously it's like the biggest part of your life right now that that partnered with your YouTube career. Does that mm-hmm. make you want to do more Pokemon stuff? Whether that's other iOS games, I know there's Pokemon Duel, Magikarp Jump. There's the Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon coming uh, later this November. You know, there's the new movie coming out uh, in mm-hmm. November. Does, does reigniting your love for Pokemon want you to expand and, and get into the other parts of the franchise?
1: It's kind of a tough question. You're not taking up too much of my time. No worries about that. I don't know. To be completely honest, it's, it's kind of a weird one. Uh, Magikarp Jump I played. I streamed it a couple of times. Um, it is too much of a cookie, cookie clicker type <laughs> game. So I, I do start it up from time to time to kill some time. If I'm waiting for, if I'm waiting in the bus or something like that, I, I open it up. Uh, so that is kind of cool, I guess. Uh, and then uh, sometimes I do play Pokemon Shuffle, which I still very much enjoy. That game's uh, actually kinda, really great. It, it really is. Like the moment I, uh, got it the very first time, I, uh, I was kind of hooked. <laughs> So uh those kind of games really keep my interest. I-, I try Pokemon Duel, but it's really not my cup of tea. Uh because it's so it's it's so RNG, it's so random. Uh so that that's not really my type of game. But some people might, you know, fight me on that. Uh but it's just like I, I just don't like the, the chance aspect of it. There's too much chance I feel, uh that, that, that will be uh thrown at you with Pokemon Duel. But uh one game in particular that I'm looking forward to a lot uh is uh, Pokemon for the Nintendo Switch. And undoubtedly whenever that gets released I will I think cover that on my YouTube channel.
0: Got it. But no no interest in Ultrasun, Ultra Moon?
1: I, I have I am interested in that. Um I just feel that there are I feel a little bit intimidated, if that makes any sense. I feel limited a <laughs> little bit intimidated uh, by covering the main Pokemon games on my channel, because there are channels out there which are so successful and so much more knowledgeable than than I am in covering that game, that I think it's better for me to stick to my roots, seeing as that game, I'm not exactly it's kind of around the corner, right, it's getting there pretty soon, and yeah, it's just just like, I, I will play the game, and I'll follow everything that's happening around the game, uh... But seeing as I feel how Sun and Moon themselves were pretty underwhelming, I don't know if I want to really cover uh, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon.
0: Uh, I actually, I actually lied. I, d- I do have one more question. So you know, you sure. you've been doing this for over a year now. Eventually, we'll Pokemon get Go. Pokemon Go. Eventually, mm-hmm. we'll get Gen Three, Gen Four, Gen. Well, you you know, Niantic said they to they want to do every generation. Yes. Do you feel that it's going to be difficult to keep doing the content you are doing? And I mean, what I mean by that is, do you think it'll ever get stale or too samey? Because adding more Pokemon to the game doesn't really change it.
1: Undoubtedly, yeah. undoubtedly so. Yeah.
0: But I, I guess the, I guess to sum up that whole question, the question would be how How are you going to stay relevant with Pokemon Go? Because it doesn't change that much, uh, you know, from month to month.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a tough question to to answer. I guess the best way to answer that question would be, as long as I enjoy it myself, and I'm able to provide content that I'm happy with, that I'm proud of, something that I've always been doing, I don't think I'll have too much trouble. And I guess staying relevant is not really the right word for it, because... I, I'm not looking to stay relevant or be relevant in any way, shape or form. Like if, if all the, the, the people that would like to get an autograph or selfie would fall away, uh, but I would still have the capability of making videos. Hey, I'm all for that. Um, so I'm not necessarily looking to be or stay relevant, but I just want to make videos that, that I would personally enjoy. And I still got so much more to do with Pokemon Go that I don't think the, the journey will be ending anytime soon. There's still so many places to visit as well. Uh, so we'll have to see about that. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what Niantic comes up with next, but there has been instances which gave, which give me hope, uh, that Niantic, uh, will come up with something that's interesting. And I mean, if Pokemon Go is not going to be it. Then I'm pretty sure that in the near future there will be other AR games which will allow you to go outside, uh, which will which will make it uh, equally as interesting as well.
0: Awesome! Thank you so much, Reversal. Uh, where can our listener, where can my listeners find you, and or maybe your listeners that came over that for some reason don't know where you are?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, so my YouTube channel name is Reversal. Uh, just type it in on YouTube, you will be able to find it. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Reversal YouTube. Uh, if there's any reason to follow me on Twitter, it would be that whenever news comes out, I'll tweet it out immediately, no matter what source it's from. Uh, Instagram at Reversal YouTube as well. And then my Twitch, in which I cover other games than Pokemon Go, uh, is also, uh, Reversal YouTube.
0: Awesome. Again, Reversal, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for
1: having me. Appreciate it.
0: Awesome. And when we come back, we'll do our Pokemon of the week and then we will wrap up. So we will be back after the break. And we are back from our break. I said Pokemon of the Week. I lied. I didn't have anything ready again. Super late at night. Reversal's favorite Pokemon is Gengar. There is if you go to our Pokemon Go bonus episode, there are interviews with Trainer Tips, Reversal, C and D and Twintendo, and the guys over at Pokemon Go Radio. So if you wanted to get some more perspectives on other people in the Pokemon Go community, there is a bonus episode should be in your feed. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, that is there available to you. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, sbj at pkmncast.com. To stay up to date with the podcast, follow us at Pokemon Podcast. If you want to follow me on Twitter at DraggingALake, if you want to follow micah on twitter at micah the brave irene on twitter at devin carrots and finally will on twitter at wash in the sink again i know i've said this uh, enough but i'm extremely tired we will be back next week to cover all that pokemon news otherwise thank you all for listening this has been another episode of the pokemon podcast and we are super effective